who is gifted and why does it matter? In this episode, Claire and I reflect on our experiences of being rejected from an elementary gifted and talented program. We also talk about differences between motivation, exposure, and natural abilities, and whether STEM education should only be for those gifted students. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Claire. Hey. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> I'm coming to you live right after having kindergarten. It's a great yeah. day. <laughs> And my, my voice sounds terrible, so I, I hope that this comes through okay, because uh, I'm a dum-dum. Oh, no, why? <laughs> well, so it's really cold here in Texas, <clears throat> and you know how we can't handle cold weather here. No. So I was worried that we'd have another snowmageddon and blue mm, power. So I have been burning fire in my fireplace for the last three days, just hoping that if we do lose power, at least we'd have heat. But I realized that the wood that I've been burning is actually cedar, which I am allergic to. So, oh, yeah, I, now I'm like, I promise it's just allergies, but really it legit is because I did it allergy. myself. Yeah. I was thinking you were going to say the vent was closed. So you were <laughs> breathing all the smoke in. <laughs> You would think I'm smart enough to to notice that, but at this point, yeah, that could have been possible, but it wasn't. That wasn't it. It was the cedar. I don't know how to identify dead tree parts, I guess. I have no idea. So when you go get firewood, does it inform you if it is a cedar tree? I think it should, but I didn't buy the firewood. Um, It was provided. We just built like a outdoor kitchen thing with the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And so the people who built it were kind enough to stock our wood pile with wood. So I have no idea where it came from or what it is. Obviously, I now know it's cedar. But, well, yeah. if you're in your classroom now where there is no cedar fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But there are kindergartners and getting their attention when I had no voice was tricky. Does one just dance? Like, what do you do? That's exactly what I did. Really? Yep. <laughs> Lots of, hey, look over here, <laughs> or clapping, you know, you do the clap thing. And it's so funny. I love doing the clap thing because their faces, they like, are like robots. It's automatically, they just know what to do. They just clap back. Hey, what's the clap thing? You know, we're like, you to get their attention, you just start clapping in a pattern and then they will repeat back. And um, I don't know if they've been taught this. I didn't teach them this. It just works. They like know what to do. It's weird. Can I try this with my own kindergartner? I was about to say, will you please test this out on your children and just clap and see if they clap back? <laughs> I will. I will do that. Yeah, today was rough trying to go back because we are in like the deep freeze, right? Uh-huh. That just happened. Um, so everything was delayed yesterday and then it was a two hour delay a day, which just, just throws everything off to just be two hours off schedule. 
you know? Yeah. So you're just like, what time is it? Where am I? What's going on? And so Madeline was like, I don't want to go to school. I hate school. <laughs> Every time she does this and then she comes back, she's like, I love school. I had the best time. <laughs> it's just the transition's always uh, difficult, but yes. I will try clapping and see. <laughs> try that. <laughs> so I was thinking today as I felt stupid about my wood experience and like how kindergartners are knowing how to do things like clapping. And I uh, got on the thought about giftedness and IQ. Mm. Have you studied anything like that in your educational uh, academic adventures? So uh, one of my professors who teaches your favorite class, statistics, <laughs> she um, is, her research focus is on gifted education. And she's looking at how do teachers identify students as gifted and kind of the flaws in the system of how certain student types are more likely to be identified as gifted while others aren't and how there's kind of like this bias when we identify kids. And so a lot of kids get left out of gifted programs that probably should be in them. Um, so I kind of know from her research, some of the programs, but that's all I know. Well, that seems like a lot to me. I, I also had a professor that I just loved in kind of a, a different aspect of education because you're talking about statistics where she was my creativity professor. So I took for oh, like five courses from her because my minor's in creative studies and then my um, master's is in creativity and cognition. And so I took both types of courses from her talking about how the brain works and creativity and how that fits in also with giftedness and her research is based on also how there's a bias in gifted testing specifically with nonverbal children or children that struggle with uh, speech so maybe yeah. they're not english is not their first language or um, they might struggle with reading so that affects the tests and so uh yeah, it's really interesting. And then also from personal anecdotal experience, I've had friends or family who have tested their children to be in the GT programs. And one complained that their kid didn't get in. And I was trying to explain, well, why do you think they should be in the GT program? They're like, well, it would really challenge my child. And I'm like, well, are they not getting challenged in school normally? Or like, I feel like there's like this um, thing where people are like, oh, well, if I want my kid to be known as good at school, they need to be in GT. And then I've had some parents who train their kids to get in the GT program by like practicing and studying kind of like you would for an SAT. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, then are they really GT if you've you know, trained him for this? Like, right. what are we really testing? And how is this helping children? And where I'm trying to get with this is understanding, well, where does STEM fit in? Because I know a lot mm -hmm. of our audience are GT teachers, and they use STEM in their GT programs, because a lot of times, it you know, G, uh, STEM doesn't really help with testing. And so you have to fit it in in some schools where you have that extra time and that a lot of times is in gifted and talented programs. 
but we always say STEM is for everybody. Right. But are what are we what are we doing with those GT kids, and why is that important? Mm. All questions I don't know the answer to, <laughs> but I have the experience. Two stories come to mind. One is I very vividly remember being tested for the GT program in elementary school and not getting in. And that was like devastating to me. Like I had failed something because I'm a straight A student. My parents were really, really like, I don't want to say hard on me, but pushed me to always do the best, make a hundred on the exams and everything. And so by not getting in the GT program, I thought I somehow had failed at something. And then I really vividly remember a few years later, my sister getting in (laughs) and I was like, oh my gosh. And then she is a genius. So I should have gotten in, but it's like this testing and this tracking has these other consequences on students' identities and those that get labeled as GT often then that's like their identity. Like I am gifted in math or in reading. And like, how does that impact their own perceptions? Um, And often the GT kids, so the second story is with Space Club and with STEM was only in the GT program. And so in this one district, they would pull kids out of class and you'd be in this GT program maybe like once a week. And that's where the STEM was, like only kids in GT were doing STEM. And I had to really fight to get Space Club and STEM to all the kids, like robotics is for everybody. And so that's where it gets to your question of like, what is GT? Because a lot of people put STEM and GT together. Like it's only the GT kids that are talented enough to do the math and science to go into STEM tracks, which of course we don't agree with. Um, So it's a complicated issue. It is. And you bring up a great point about labeling and what it does to the psychology. Because I didn't realize this, but you and I have the same story. Really? I also remember being tested and failing to get into the GT program and I was devastated. And then some of the other kids that were in my class that got in, I was like, really? Like, really? That guy's an idiot. Like, (laughs) and just really feeling like, wow, you know, I thought I was at this level and apparently I'm not. And then my sister got in. No way. We have the same story. Same story. My younger sister got in and I remember her bringing home, because uh, I would always be like, what did you do in GT today? And she's like, oh, we did these logic puzzles. And she would just bring them home and I would do them. She wouldn't do them. I would do them because I was like so excited about it. And I thought, this is amazing. These are so fun. I was like, wait a minute. Why am I not in this? If this is what G- GT is, like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I think that can do things if we take STEM and only have certain kids do it, then we're also telling them you're the only kids that have the ability to do this. Yeah. And that reminds me, like, I remember doing some of the STEM challenges, like catapults or rockets or, you know, our like basic design challenges. And I would know which kids were in GT. And then those that were labeled as like, at risk of dropping out because they were failing certain classes. And those kids that were at risk would always do better at these open-ended challenges because they were very creative, didn't really care. Like they were just, okay, let's try it. It failed. Okay, let's do it again. And the GT kids were like, 
uh, what's the answer? Am I doing this right? Did I do it the right way? And I'm like, there is no right way. I just want you to figure it out and do it your way. And that was so hard. And so it's like this mix of our GT kids made, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have certain types of upbringing that gets them thinking like, I need to be the best and I need to do the best on this test versus having some natural talents that make them or have this need to be pushed more in certain subjects. Exactly. That is exactly where I'm coming to because I had, this was a couple years ago, um, this other teacher that I worked with was just really, really well trained at education and the psychology of children. She's well read on all these books about brain development. And a lot of the reason why I chose the master's degree program that I did is because I really wanted to understand more and how kids' brains work and how to facilitate that and break down these barriers of how we're, you know, nurture versus nature kind of kind of discussions. But there was one, uh, we did invention convention at my school, and there was one kid that just did not do well in school, like was pretty much failing on every subject and didn't really participate much in a lot of things. But when it came his turn to present to the judges at first, I was like, there's no way that this kid's showing up because they had to do most of it outside of school. I was like, I don't know. You put in the effort. Well, he shows up with this great project and presents to the judges. And it was kind of like one of those moments where you're we were watching him and he was so articulate and passionate about what he was talking about. And he received the best scores from the judges. And we were like, where's this been? Yeah. <laughs> because he had just come out of his shell. And I was like, and the teacher that I was just talking about, she goes, well, cause he's gifted. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I have misconceptions about giftedness and maybe the difference between that and overachieving. Because a lot of times people see that as the same. You have kids who work really hard, make really good grades. They're good at stuff. Well, does that mean that they're gifted? And creativity is a big difference there. Which also, a lot of people see creativity as something that we're innately born with. And it's not. It's just like a muscle. You can grow in creativity. And that's what I'm always telling parents a lot of times because I hear it coming from them. The same thing that you're just, when you hear a parent say, oh, well, I'm not good at math. And I'm like, don't say that. Please never say that in front of your children. Because then they're going to have that in their head. Oh, well, maybe I'm just not good at something that I can grow in, <laughs> you right. know, but creativity is the same way. When somebody says, I'm, I'm just not creative. It's like, well, you have to work at that too. Um, and that's something that I think STEM can help break in a lot of the uh, quote unquote gifted children, which are probably just high achievers who just want the answer. Like, yeah. no, this, this has open-endedness because it calls for creativity, which you need to grow in. And that creativity has to do with how to overcome failure and not just your whatever IQ that you've been trained on which IQ is something that's interesting to me as well. I don't know how much you know about that. I know basically nothing besides what IQ stands for, which isn't even true anymore. It's like the uh, intelligent quotient. But to my understanding, it's not even divided by anything anymore. So it's not really a quotient. <laughs> 
What was the IQ of the person that named it? Right? I don't I don't know. Yeah, somebody asked me the other day what my IQ was and I was like, is that like something we're supposed to know? I don't Is that like asking somebody their SAT score? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever been tested for my IQ. Was that part of the GT program? Because I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's interesting. And I think the other challenge and this is just a very basic, um, or I should say fundamental issue in education is like, what is the education that every kid should have access to? Like, what should every student, math, science, reading, social skills, like what should every kid have access to an education? And then how do we differentiate that education to support and nurture all our differences in kids. And like, as teachers, that's is such an impossible question because <laughs> you want every kid to succeed. And it, I mean, it's, it's really difficult. I don't know what the right answer is because you, like you want to put kids in tracks for the idea of, well, some kids are naturally inclined to be better at math or science or really love science, but then you're depriving kids that maybe later grow to enjoy it or develop those skills later so, I mean, there's a lot of literature around tracking and how it's often like with this GT tracking, picking the kids, there's usually girls are more likely to put in GT programs and um, white students are more likely to be selected. And then the kids that are really loud and more like the cl class clown type are not as likely to be put into GT. So there's just like some traits that teachers naturally associate with being gifted and talented which is a problem um, because you're depriving certain groups that maybe should have access to that. But I know my personal experience whenever in fourth grade, I remember these group of kids going to this GT class that I was not allowed to go to because I didn't get the score. And what we did was we would just read and color and draw. Like we had no instruction. Like they went off and got whatever instruction they were getting. And then we were just having free time and we would just do whatever until they got back. What? Yeah. I was like, what are they learning? I want to learn. <laughs> and that's part of, part of the definition of giftedness is this aptitude to want to learn. And are you telling me that only like these select children who pass some sort of test want to learn? Well, but also it's like motivation is very different than natural inclination to certain subjects. And so my understanding of giftedness is... So like my husband, Justin, he's very gifted at math. Like he can look at equations and they just magically make sense to him. That needs a different kind of nurturing because you can push him a lot further in math than other kids, maybe that were at his same age. But that doesn't mean he necessarily liked learning, <laughs> right? Like I think motivation and your what you are capable of is different, but then they're also linked because if you're motivated to learn, like you said, with creativity, you can learn how to paint and draw and play the piano. Like I'm not naturally gifted at piano, but I started learning it in kindergarten. And now I can play Beethoven or whatever because I spent 12 years practicing and dedicated to it. Yeah, so where is that balance between exposure to things versus just facilitating one's natural aptitude or interest? I don't know. My takeaway from all that is to make all of STEM in particular, because that's what we have control over. 
right. <laughs> as available to everybody. And it's not, it should not just be for gifted and talented because these kids, they need exposure to these things and to be told that they can do it because there's room for everybody. Yep. There is space for everyone <laughs> in the STEM space. <laughs> I cannot top that. Yep. <laughs> Well, if anyone listening has um, their own opinions about this topic, if you are a GT teacher, what are your thoughts? How, um, what is the value of gifted and talented education? And how do um, students get selected in the programs? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. But for now, Claire, did you have something to add? I did. Oh, sorry, go. <laughs> no, real quick. We got a submission for a quick tip and oh. I don't want to forget to say it. I almost closed it out. Go. I know. Okay. So I thought you were signaling like there's someone coming in my room. That's why I just kept talking. I would have been like, cut it off. (laughs) We need some actual hand signals that we can both know. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Uh, This is why we didn't get in the gifted program. We don't know how to communicate without communicating. Okay. Well, I do have somebody who's smarter than us because she has a quick tip for STEM. So you can submit a quick tip to share on our website and we will share it on the podcast for other STEM teachers to hear because Natasha and I don't know everything. We weren't in GT. I'm just kidding. But we would love to hear your tips. If you go to vivifystem.com slash quick tips to submit those to us. And somebody named Peg Volek. Uh, submitted her quick tip and she said that during STEM to hand out pieces of duct tape for certain challenges, she puts it on extra wasted lamination that teachers save for her. Students can select the piece they need without getting all stuck and ruined. It's a lifesaver. That's pretty smart. I don't use duct tape. I use masking tape, but I think that would work the same way. Yeah, I'm thinking with cardboard, maybe it works better, but it's so sticky. The problem with duct tape is once you stick it on, it's hard to get it off, right? Yeah, but I guess that's why she uses lamination. So, you know, when right. people cut off the extra lamination for things, instead of throwing that away, yeah. you can save it to put tape on and then hand that out, mm, which would probably be helpful because I just give the kids all rolls of masking tape and then we go through it like it's free. Really so. Yeah, they'll be wads of masking tape just like thrown around yeah they waste so much yeah so that's a great tip thank you peg for submitting that uh if you have a quick tip again please submit that to us so we can say it on air and share it with others who may need it too it's vivifystem.com slash quick tips but for now stem space out we want to take a second to give a big thank you to listeners out there who've been tuning in to the stem space podcast We love what we do. We love sharing content, the latest and greatest of STEM education and tips and tricks to help you to teach STEM. If you have been listening to us and would love to support us, please leave us a review so we can keep sharing amazing resources and content. Thank you.